This podcast is part of the Midwest Podcast Network. Find out more about our other shows and how to support our network at MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. podcast my name is alex and i have not read kill cars the alienist my name is nick and i have leafed through the alienist more than once <laughs> today we will be discussing season one episode five of the tnt series titled hildebrandt's starling i will not while we will not be spoiling any of the book and by extension any future plot lines of the show we will be discussing the details through episode five of the series so pause this and go catch up before you listen to the rest of the episode You can find more episodes of our podcast at TheAlienist.tv and you can send feedback to feedback at TheAlienist.tv to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on TNTs or Caleb Carr's The Alienist so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding The Alienist or our podcast. Much like our friend Sue did, Sue wrote in and said, love your podcast and look forward to it after every episode. Thank you very much. That's very kind of you. Oh, yes. Your insight and Nick's knowledge of the book makes for good listening. I'm reading the book also. I did want to mention two things. I think the cloth that Laszlo found under Mary's bed was his blood-stained shirt that she helped him with, uh, which is interesting. We'll come back to that in a second. And the chalkboard is a big deal in the book. Confirmation from another reader. Thank you. (laughs) And that's why it was a big deal when Laszlo threw the piece of chalk to John when he told Laszlo uh, about what he learned at the dentist. Nick is right that Laszlo usually does all the writing, but he let John write it on the board. Double exclamation point at the end of that one. See, wasn't that so exciting? It's fantastic. Uh, You guys should also watch the short video on TNT about how and where they film the show in Budapest. It's pretty amazing. Keep up the good work, Sue. Thank you, Sue. I have not watched that Thanks, yet, Sue. but that sounds awesome. I'd like to see a little bit more about their where they're shooting and and how how they're making it New Yorky and everything. So, yeah, I watched just a brief BTS thing before they actually released the series before the show started, yeah. and I don't know if it delved into that, but I, I don't really remember. It's just very interesting the idea that it feels like New York. Oh yeah, and the fact that they made Budapest feel like New York is cool. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, but yes, the shirt on Mary's floor being Laszlo's with the with the blood stain on it. That's pretty good. Yeah, I, it's not. It's just something that I didn't really think of. It and it and it makes sense. And it kind of him being puzzled about it makes more sense now because he's kind of like, "What is this doing here? <laughs> what is that? What is that <laughs> laying here on the floor?" Uh, rather than you know in the wash or something like that. Clearly, Mary's kind of squirreled it away for you know i mean pretty much the same purpose that we kind of thought he was sniffing it for initially like it's gonna remind her of him yeah exactly it's even funnier now to think about his reaction to this thing because he's such a robot that he's like why would she have this dirty shirt (laughs) the way even the way he like doubles back and looks back at the room before it went to commercial i was like why did he do that but he's still like trying to figure it out yep yeah what did freud say about (laughs) yeah yeah, thank you, Sue, for writing in, and thank you Thanks, for listening Sue. very much. We've we have had, you know, we've done a few shows together, and I feel like this is the one where we've had the widest uh, 
feedback in terms of like different people. Yeah, there, I feel like we've gotten all there. We've had consistent people like Bruce on Gone to Texas mm-hmm. and uh, a few other people, Katrine for one on on uh, Westworld, right. and where they just com- repeatedly write back to us, which is awesome. But it's also cool to hear from many different people like Sue and all the other people that have written into us. It's it's very cool. It is. I hope so. that the one everyone who's written in is still listening they're not just like listening to one episode and they're yeah like, eh. no and i i think i think a lot of them do and let us know that you're still there because <laughs> we're insecure and want to know these things but also come watch westworld with us in a couple of weeks oh if you have not please, in the past please uh, do join us for preacher when that comes back uh we'd love to have everybody along for all of the podcasting journeys we go on yeah sign up for hbo even if it's just for a, a few months just yep. to watch westworld it's so worth it yeah even week to week like the 10 episodes that we're going to get out of it that's two and a half months that you're going to have to pay for hbo that's so three a months that total. is a show you should absolutely watch week to week too. Yep. you shouldn't binge it nope at least break it up like day don't don't watch more than one in a day yeah like, let yourself go to work and just think about it for sure because it's such a cool show and there's there's a lot to peel back and listen to other podcasts about mm-hmm. so we are here for you but anyway it's time to break into the episode yep in the teaser, the group hire a graphologist who is able to help them pin down an age range of 24 to 35 for the killer due to the type of handwriting training that the letter writer must have received. He also confirms that the writer is likely a man. The Isaacsons found a match of their bloody fingerprint on the stamp of the letter uh, sent to Miss Santarelli, and Laszlo has extracted potent- potentially useful phrases from the letter, such as dirty immigrants, saucy boy, dirt and paint, and the 19th of February. Leslo vocalizes his postulation about the killer dealing what he had been dealt in the past, while Sarah suggests that the killer has been humiliated and abused by a dominant woman in his past. Laszlo gets audibly and visibly angry at the suggestion and blows up at Sarah. Uh, the graphologist is great to me. Yeah. Just, and kind of Laszlo's like, you're certain of these things off of his handwriting. Like, his skepticism about the science. Yeah, they didn't They didn't go as far as the book where everyone is, like, marveling at, like, oh, you learned all that from writing? Like, yeah. it's it. the show is a little bit more like, this is the thing that's going to be normal, you know? But it, it is... I mean, it's it's true today. Like, if you watch somebody analyze someone's handwriting and, and see what they say, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it says Nick and, and Willie did on an old Film Nerds episode of mine. <laughs> what, with your handwriting? Yeah, you guys. I stepped away from the mic, and you guys concluded that I was a serial killer from my terrible, terrible <laughs> handwriting. But On the giant board behind <laughs> you right now. All these scribbled notes and, and formulas. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it, it it was just kind of fun to see Laszlo like kind of poking at another fledgling kind of vetting it analysis. a little bit. Yeah. yeah that was sure. that was cool. It is cool. Uh the letter I've been really pleased with the amount of attention they've given the letter cuz it's true to the book. Yeah. There is a <clears throat> detail of the letter that they do not talk about in the show and I'm curious if they're going to come back around to it. I feel like the letter might get a second pass later on. Interesting. And maybe not. Okay. But in the book, there's there's something pretty significant in there that they haven't talked about yet. And it's kind of weird. I wonder, It feels like it's by design. Was it... Is it the... Because I mentioned on the previous episode that uh, the language is... It, it's they, they comment on the fact that the spelling is poor. They do. They didn't really talk about the fact that the language seems very... It was weird to me that 
The language seems uneducated, but yet the handwriting looks good. I think that's important. That that's an important. Which is almost it to me right now. It's like, well, maybe this person English is not their first language. That's a really good inference. Do you yeah. have Do you have any more? Uh, play, play a little uh, Lucius Isaacson here, because <laughs> you would be Lucius for sure. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know that I like it. It's It's just very strange that the skill of handwriting would look as though he has received training, but yet. It's yeah. I don't. I don't know that I have anything more than that because I know you could get there. Probably if you think about it. Probably, a little but more. you put me on the spot. You'll probably talk. You'll probably chair text is heating me. up you'll, right now. I'm <laughs> well, sweating well, a little bit. The, turn off the heated chair, Alex. <laughs> it's 60 degrees here today in beautiful, <laughs> balmy Michigan. Yes. Um. Yeah, you. I think you'll probably end up texting me at some point, and which was just a theory because the because it's up. right yeah. there. It's right there. And uh, it's so satisfying in the book when they start to like work to Piece it. it but together. That's one thing about the show that is a little unsatisfying is they're getting all these like bombshell clues and then the episodes just kind of move along to the next thing. Yeah. Like, I mean, the Isaacson's checking out the walls of the, uh, of the museum. The castle or the, garden. Yeah, the yeah. castle garden. Like there's some major shit there that yeah. they stumble upon. They're just kind of like, what do you think? And then it moves on and it's yeah. like two, three episodes later and we haven't heard mention of it. Or there, We don't see them tying things together. We don't see them at the damn chalkboard tying yeah. all this shit together. <laughs> Pardon my French, but damn, the chalkboard. Yeah. Like, come on, you need that. That's like, that is where everything gets laid out and, and that's how you conduct an investigation. It feels like, I mean, we see that now in modern police shows all the time. These big boards with like, uh, um, index cards and, yep. and photos and you know get it all up there get the visualization all thrown pieces into one of place. yarn that are connecting different yeah, things red and, yarn through yes. the ceiling like like hero <laughs> and heroes <clears throat> um, anyway I'll yeah. try not to complain about the lack of chalkboard but I'm glad that somebody else and that Sue in the feedback was like knows that it is a big deal and isn't it funny Sue how they're just kind of going like <laughs> They're just shunning the chalkboard. They're like, whatever. Because th- that, that moment has no weight in the show if you haven't read the book. When he hands him the chalk, you're like, oh, that was nice. He's letting him write. But yeah, it just the, the significance of that, of Laszlo opening up to somebody else's theory is is important. Yeah. Whatever. Maybe it's coming across. Doesn't seem like it. I don't know. Like it, To me in this show, it's like only Laszlo cares about the chalkboard. Only Laszlo seems to care about like connecting the dots. Like The Isaacsons yeah. just seem like they're doing... Yeah, whatever he tells the tools them. yeah yeah john is just smoking and hanging <laughs> out which is great i mean that's kind of what he should be doing uh and then sarah's just kind of trying to solve the mystery of laszlo she's yeah. more caught up in him than the actual murders so it's, it's a little strange but yeah anyway uh yeah so the letters good and anything about laszlo kind of blowing up at sarah I didn't love that. Yeah. I thought it was, it just, I think they needed another take or two at it. It felt a little too big. It felt like a, it felt like a Daniel Day-Lewis bad take. Like it just went a little too over the top. It was a little too explosive and it even had like the comical, like sweeping stuff off the table. It was just a little, a little much. Yeah. Which is weird because I saw in one of the, uh, like last week ons or something like that. All he did was like whip the chalk at the chalkboard in anger. And I was like, that's way more reasonable. Like that feels more appropriate. I don't remember what he does in the episode, but doesn't he like push something over? He like kicks a chair over. Or... I'm not sure. It's, it's very tantrum. It's more animated than. Yeah. Than just him. Expect. Yeah, exactly. And maybe that's kind of the point, but it just kind of, I don't know. 
you could tell that she touched a nerve with something less than yes. what he did. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Let's go on to act one. John runs after Sarah as she leaves Laszlo's explosion, and then he half flirts slash half comforts her. He even jokingly proposes, to which Sarah replies she would maybe consider it if she ever thought he could be serious. She leaves John wondering whether her answer would be, uh, what her answer would be if he asked sincerely. Laszlo meets with one of his professors, Professor Kavanaugh, who taught him about ornithology, the study of birds. He asked Laszlo to study Hildebrandt's starling several times because it, uh, each time he came back with more insight, and on the third time he observed the bird's molting process, a revealing transition for the bird. The exercise wasn't so much about what Laszlo learned, but how he learned it. Laszlo worries that he isn't seeing the deeper meaning behind things and that his mind is closed off to contradiction, only to have him reciting what he already thinks he knows. He asks Kavanaugh for guidance, and Kavanaugh tells him to look at his bird once again. Laszlo pulls John away from his grandmother's house to visit a former patient, Jesse Pomeroy, the Boston boy fiend, a man with a cloudy eye who mutilated children and their faces slash eyes. Laszlo's original theory was that Jesse did it out of envy, not that he was a madman, but Jesse toys with Laszlo and eventually assaults him with a knife, leaving Laszlo unsure of why Jesse actually killed the children. Uh, So John and Sarah, we touched a little bit about this previously in the past because in the book, John does propose to Sarah and Sarah just slaps him right or punches him i think she throws him in the river oh she like okay. punches him and he falls in a river okay i could i've been saying that for episodes now and i could be making that up but i'm pretty sure it winds up with him in some small body of water and yeah because he was he's drunk and he's just like upset about his broken engagement and he's just kind of like offhand it's like hey why don't we get married kind of thing yeah like one of those jokes like if, we're, if both of us are still single when we're 40 why don't we get married but he he just kind of throws it out there and she's so like appalled by by the <laughs> embarrassing drunken proposal that she like pushes him in the water <clears throat> yeah. yeah it's not received well in the book yeah and she, well he the reason that it all starts in the show is because she calls him handsome and indolent because they're referring to like john's uh they were talking about the upbringing of john and how his mother not being there whether or not it affected him in that teaser section and and john or uh Sarah says that's irrelevant because he's, you know, he's handsome and indolent, but it's got, it's something completely different than the killer that we're dealing with. That part so, was, that, that made me chuckle. Yeah. Luke Evans with his getting his boot shine and be like, yep. because you find me handsome. I was like, well, him oh, just man. stopping to get his boot shine <laughs> yeah. in the middle of the street. I was like, what in the world are he's you like, doing? He's like, oh, very well. And yeah. and then he makes the argument that he's helping a lad, a young lad earn an honest work or something yeah. like that. Yeah, the whole scene was funny. I was like, uh, we're finally, we're getting to see Luke Evans kind of do his thing in the world. And, yeah. And that was pretty, that was a pretty more action. I have to say I was listening, but I feel like I've commented on this previously, but I was listening to our previous episode and your, the voice that you put on when you do more is almost exactly Luke. Like it sounds exactly like Luke Evans. It's oh, a very so, good. I'm so pleased to hear it's that. It's a very good Luke, Luke Evans impression. So. Luke uh, Evans is just one of those guys where he's just a, he's a movie star, man. Mm-hmm. He's always good, and he I like that he kind of dips into like his his Gaston Inkwell <laughs> for a second here, and he's like, I got this. Yeah, he's like, I'm gonna put the charm on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the totally like buffoonish. The only thing, I mean, that was that was appropriate. I didn't I didn't think Sarah's reaction was very in keeping with her though, because she kind of laughs, and it's it's not a laugh like I'm laughing at you. It's like, 
oh john you're so yeah. it was it just it was kind of icky it it didn't feel in keeping with the sarah that's well, been set up and her receptiveness to it of like the if i thought you were serious i i might say yes yeah i would have rather she like kicked out the stool from under him or something you know like or it would have been better if she was just more guarded about her reaction to it and we saw her actually react to it later or something yeah. like that well and and it's also it's kind of this weird reversal of emotion because she just got done like being blown up at by Laszlo. Yeah. And then like literally two minutes later you're like laughing at John being kind of a douchebag and, and offhandedly proposing to you. Yeah. Like it just the whole thing it felt it didn't feel clean or, or right at all. Like that that I was like the I, flow just didn't yeah, quite it, it, that work. really stood out to me and it was pretty jarring because I was already laughing at him. I was like, okay, this is, this is what more would do. Yeah. But then her reaction was so like, I was like, what? And mm-hmm. even, even the performance of it felt a little half hearted, kind of like, it like felt, almost as it, though it, she didn't agree with it. It felt like it pulled it, like it kind of got pulled out of that. That scene was pulled away from the alienist and put into a romantic comedy. And then it kind of gets put back <laughs> and it, it just, it, it doesn't, it feels like it belongs elsewhere, even though John works. Yeah, but. yeah. It just was a it was a strange conversation. Yeah. And and even the you know, with him rushing to the carriage saying, What what would you say if I asked you seriously? And I just was like, This is dopey. Like yeah. this we're hacking away at this scene with a machete when this should be this could be a really great subtextual conversation if it was actually subtext and not them literally asking <laughs> each other, What would you say if I proposed to you, sir? Like it just it was so clunky. <laughs> And I thought it could be so good. You've got you've got endless TV shows and, and films where characters talk about being being attracted to each other without actually talking about mm-hmm. it. And then we just have these two knuckleheads just swinging baseball bats at each other. It, Maybe subtlety wasn't invented in 1896. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, we're giving a lot of credit to uh, to that era. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know that that whole scene. It started off well, and then by the end of it, I was like, "Ugh, skip. <laughs> next. Let's get out of this garbage." Yeah. Well, let's do that, uh, Professor Kavanaugh. See in the see in the book. Did you know who he was? No. The actor. Who, no. Do you recognize him? I I was like, that looks like an old man that I should know, but I don't know if I do. <laughs> Nick's choking on his drink right now. <laughs> That looks like an old man I should know. Write that down under the uh, the MFN movies. Okay. We have a list of uh, of of movie titles that we we've already come up with the titles for these movies that we have yet to make, but we're going to make them. And yeah. that looks like an old man I should know <laughs> needs to be added to the list. Um, he's uh, David Warner uh, of Tron. Of Tron. Yes. Ah man. He is he is Dillinger the Elder. I didn't recognize him without glowing red neon ex- exuding from his body. You know, I think that that was probably a deleted scene. <laughs> <laughs> He's just in that chair. Just <laughs> Leslo walks in and the room's just pulsing red. <laughs> <laughs> He's got the old identity disc still. <laughs> oh man, I want that so bad now. I That's wonderful. To, I didn't realize that it. at all. Yeah, so you were right. That was an old man you should yeah, know. Yeah, for sure. Uh yeah, that scene was was good. A lot of the scenes with these like side characters that kind of pop in and out. The something tonally is so weird with them. Like these these little character actors in these little roles. Sometimes they work really well, and sometimes they the dialogue feels like I can almost imagine like this old guy coming in and be like, "All right, what are the lines? What are the lines?" And they say, oh, "These are your lines." Like, "All right, I got it. Let's go. Let's roll them." I got just it. got the cue I, card I, off. Yeah, camera. exactly. <laughs> like, and something about that scene kind of felt that way to me. Where he and maybe it was just him repeating. Look, look, at at, look at your bird, yeah. Laszlo. And I was like, how about you just tell him, man? 
He's not paying your your ass anymore. Tuition. Well, maybe maybe he's just a an ornithology professor, and he's like, I don't know what this kid got out of my class, but yeah. So if he was like my ornithology professor, <laughs> he, he'd be much more truthful and, and, and forthcoming with his knowledge instead of saying, "Look at the bird." Yeah, yeah, because that's that's what college is about. It's about being coy and seeing what you're. What your uh, yeah? I was like, oh, what your students oh, come to oh, you oh, with? Aren't you just the intellectual? <laughs> you can't even give your boy st- in the murder investigation a straight shot. Step one: look at bird. Continue Step two: look at bird again. <laughs> you missed something. Go back to what bird. a curriculum. <laughs> yeah, what an easy. That was a, that was an easy A for Laszlo. That was part of his senioritis. He was like, I'll take I'll take one ethology. I think I'll just breeze through that. <laughs> yeah, it's. I liked the sentiment of the scene, the idea that Laszlo is realizing that he's not as open-minded about things as he should be. It's especially true. With, Th- with there Sarah's. is a lot of worth in the scene. Yeah, but but it does. But see, now you're hitting us with subtext when it shouldn't be. Yeah. How about he just comes out and is like, oh, oh shit, shit, a murder? Oh, man, what do you need to know? Like, how can I help? And instead, he's like, mm, look at your bird. <laughs> oh, man, thanks, dick. <laughs> You are tenured, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, uh, I do, I do like the the probably the realization that Laszlo is just he's thinking he's gotten everything out of it that he needs to, and he's ready to move on. And it kind of directly addresses my complaint from a few minutes ago that that they're, they're just passing. They're over. taking evidence and they're saying, "All right, I'll throw it on the board, and we'll come back to it." And especially in regard to the letter, I think that there are. L- Laszlo knows he's pretty brilliant, and I think he's like, "Oh, let me let me look at this thing." Okay, there's. There's five facts I can glean from this, and that must be it. Yeah. Rather than continuing he's, to revisit it, he's di- he's uh instead of instead of digesting it, he's just kind of like looking at it and sees what he sees. He's also not being open minded to all the possibilities. He he's already made it up made up the story in his mind, and he's not open to other interpretation. Yeah. Uh, it's and there's a reason why in a lot of police movies and shows we we have those montages of them scattering pictures and then rearranging them putting them in different orders and taking them home putting them in a different room to to give them Having other an, people come and look at exactly it. to give them a new light you know like an ace ventura when his dog lays down on sean young or on a on ray finkel's picture and the hair <laughs> makes makes the hair and then he realizes it's it's einhorn yeah i like to tie in ace ventura now that we've <laughs> talked about that <laughs> Uh yeah yeah no I it largely I think it was an okay scene but not perfectly executed. Yeah, a lot of these scenes feel rushed. That's the only thing that they don't feel like they have the room to breathe that they need. There's a lot in this series. I know they're trying to fit a lot in ten episodes. Well, this is here's the thing. We are still talking about the first act of the show, and that is by far my biggest complaint. That's as true. Someone who's podcasting about it, which is albeit a very small audience, but. They pack so much into that first act. Yeah, that was a big summary. That it, there's there's just a lot going on. And with most of the time, it's not even like, oh, these three things go well together. And then we find a big beat and stop. It's oftentimes just a lot all at once. So it's maybe one of those things where it's like, could this have been a single 13 episode season or 18 episode season like yeah like yeah but <clears throat> that's a dangerous the road. brevity of 10 episodes is still very promising uh what'd you think about the boston boy fiend so that's a that's a pretty big moment in the book okay and it actually 
Was the professor in the book? Sorry. I don't remember. Okay. I, I think... I'm going to say no. Not that professor. Laszlo does meet with a professor later, like probably midway through the book. They 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 get a really big clue, which is actually kind of from the letter. It's kind of the, the trail that they go down is started by the letter. Okay. And he does meet with a professor who ends up helping them out quite a bit. Okay. But... Not I don't think Professor Kavanaugh. I think not he's specifically the ornithology <laughs> professor. No, I don't think there's any mention of ornithology. Okay. Uh, I think Kavanaugh might have been the name of one of his former. No, he no his former professor that he talks about more than once, like his psychology professor, the one who really molded him, like his mentor. Essentially, he does. I think he does talk to him. Okay. <clears throat> anyway, but yeah. So the Boston boy. The Jesse, yeah, the Jesse Pomeroy thing. Uh, it's pretty huge in the book, and Laszlo goes there with a uh with a specific theory in mind and in in the show i don't remember what leads him to take john there i don't remember what his reasoning well and he explains kind of what we've been talking about of like people he's like you did well at bellevue i think is the name of the first place they went to to talk to the 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 supposed suspect i'm sorry i I don't mean i don't know why he he took john i don't know why he wanted to go visit jesse oh i think that's that because uh it was just that's because it cuts from kavanaugh's you need to take another look at your bird Mm -hmm. and they're on the train or john gets the phone call and then they're on the train yeah so it's kind of jesse being like or excuse me jesse who's jesse jesse's his first name the killer okay uh it's uh it's laszlo being like this is something that i dealt with in my past that I was confident in. He's very confident in the fact that he thought it was jealousy of these children with good eyes was okay. the reason that Jesse was was mutilating these okay. children. So it's sort of in line with the book. It's not as far off as I thought it was. Okay. But in the in the it's not his visit in the book is not motivated from like a, I need to Need to retrace need to my revisit, steps. Yeah. Yeah, it's more of like I have a theory about our killer and I'm going to tested on jesse basically Uh, although i think jesse was a kid when he killed the kids he was also a kid and in the show i think they do say he's been there for like some time but yeah let me see if i wrote it in the book it's pretty clear that jesse's been in solitary for 22 years okay yeah so he's he was probably a teen when he got locked up and laszlo was there in his trial yeah and so laszlo it was like an early case for laszlo Mm -hmm. And I think Laszlo may have even tried to defend him in the book. Well, and, that, and I think that's what it was here. Like, it was Laszlo's... I think Laszlo had a diagnosis that he probably volunteered at the trial, but yeah. ultimately, what did it get Jesse? Which, if you can imagine, 22 years earlier, even from this year in the show, you know, he's not taken particularly seriously now. Imagine 22 years earlier in his career when he's fresh out of college. Yeah. <clears throat> so I do really want to go back and rewatch that scene because it's a big moment in the book and it's kind of creep. The way it's written is kind of creepy. Like it's a pretty unsettling visit. It, it isn't a show too. the way they have that, that wheel that you can walk around on is so creepy in the show. It's awesome. Yeah. yeah just the, the constant, uh, just the dragging sound yep. of it. Yeah. Gross. Well, and the thing, like I, I also liked, uh, John going to light another cigarette because he's a chain smoker now mm-hmm. as of this actual episode right here. And uh, him giving that cigarette to Jesse is kind of like a 
this is a peace offering mm-hmm. sort of thing and 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 Laszlo brought him along because people like John Moore like I, I, John Moore hoi, hoi. Uh, it it just felt like it made sense and it was like you're here be like because Laszlo's not going to offer him a cigarette no Laszlo's just going to start talking to him yeah yeah no Moore's Moore's uh, involvement makes sense I yeah. just was trying to remember what motivated Laszlo to go there in the first place yeah so yeah it wasn't explicitly called out in the show but okay with the juxtaposition of Kavanaugh interesting yeah in the in the book it's pretty he's got a theory up his sleeve but he doesn't tell them he's like i'm gonna go talk to jesse and you kind of he kind of then reveals his agenda later okay so yeah laszlo in the book is a lot more well i'm I'm growing to really love the laszlo of the show but he's definitely not as like confident or and that's the thing is that he, i think he leaves the scene with jesse being like He's really rattled. Maybe I was wrong. Like I, yeah. Like I must have been wrong about, or I, I could be wrong about his envy. Mm-hmm. And it starts him down this path that we see of just kind of like not really feeling great about things. But we'll talk more about that. What's interesting is that he's got a really good theory. I think it's a great theory, and he lets Jesse tell him that's not true, and he believes him. He yeah. he lets he lets Jesse tell him no man that's not it's not why I killed them you think it's because I was jealous that my mom wouldn't kiss my ugly face and Laszlo just buys into it and I feel like when dealing with somebody like this who's clearly in a different place mentally than the rest you have of no us, idea what he subconsciously is doing or if he's just messing with you now yeah because he knows he's inside your head yeah. I think that well but I and I think that's what Laszlo walks away with is not so much. Well, it is. I, I I might have been wrong, but it is the idea of like maybe there are people that are truly just mad. Yeah. So maybe his entire the entire crux of his belief system is is at stake here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Act two. I don't think so. All right. Uh, John dreams about his drowning brother who gets replaced by a drowning Bernadette slash Joseph, also known as the child on the roof of the Golden Rule. Mm-hmm. He awakes to Laszlo on the train, who explains the only thing he learned from seeing Jesse is that he doesn't know as much as he thinks he does. Roosevelt gets stopped by the mayor during a morning horse ride to find out that the police have a suspect in the well-off community, the quote-unquote 400, who are the most the 400 most fashionable socialites in the city. Which the 1%, is, basically. Yeah, the 1% of 1896 New York. Uh, that the community would rather handle themselves, Roosevelt, ter- Roosevelt tersely agrees to let the family handle it. Uh, however, Roosevelt grills Captain Connor to try and find out who the suspect may be, but Connor plays coy as the Isaacsons inform Sarah what types of sex acts could occur between a man and a boy. The Isaacsons receive handguns from Roosevelt and orders to go learn how to shoot with them, while Sarah receives, receives orders to look into people of means who may be suspects for the crimes at hand, since the police force won't share information with him. Uh, anything about that John Dream? With it's, his brother Johnny. It's really good. I liked it. It was a good sequence. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's something in the book that does weigh on him from time to time that he feels somewhat responsible. Yeah, and it uh they did have that sketch superimposed, the one that he salutes mm-hmm. in that in that scene earlier in the series. So I thought that was a nice little touch there. Yeah, that's still like one of my favorite scenes. Yeah. Uh Roosevelt and the mayor. <laughs> Roosevelt's just horse riding in the morning of like the Does yes. he ride a horse to work? Is that um, maybe all right 
I'm okay when with I'm, that. When I'm riding my horse on over to visit <laughs> my ornithology professor, I don't well, like, like being stopped by the mayor. I, I, I feel like, it, like I, as I went to write my notes, I was like, is he riding through Central Park or is it like it look his like backyard it. or where are we right now? I don't know. He may have Once just again, been out for a morning shots. ride. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Establishing shots are a big thing missing from this series. Maybe, maybe because they just can't pull the camera back on Budapest too far for some reason. I don't know. Some regulations against drones. Maybe. Um, the guy who plays the mayor yeah. sucks. <laughs> I don't... And it's not him. I've seen him in a ton of stuff. He's one of those character actors that just pops up all over the place. Yeah. Uh, but he just doesn't look like a mayor. He doesn't look and and you know maybe shame on me for having a a cartoon idea of what a New York City mayor in 1896 would look like, <laughs> but it's not that. And he the way he carries himself is too. He just looks too modern. There's nothing in his like affectations or look that make me feel like he's even got like a, a gross patchy beard. It's not even like I feel like everyone from that era was either clean shaven or had the most bitchin' facial hair, <laughs> and there was no middle ground. And he just looks like this. I don't know. It's really, it's really jarring. He's also like this small guy. He just looks like Mr. Burns, but like not in like a way that <laughs> makes sense. Like a small, powerful man. He just, is, uh, yeah. Uh, y- you would, you would think that he would be. I mean, like when Michael Ironside would, rolls up as J.P. Morgan, you're like, whoa, shit. <laughs> yeah, like that. That dude matters. Even when he just walks by in the opera, and he's like, "Do you are?" So this is an actual picture of Lafayette Strong the mayor of new york that is being portrayed in yeah that show. looks like ben kingsley <laughs> ben kingsley with as you said bitch and facial hair yeah look at that yeah that's not on this dude yeah so i yeah, that guy bothers me sorry small gripe <laughs> but i don't think that's great i don't think that's great casting no that's fair and i mean he's not like uh, you've seen him around he's one of those character actors that's in a ton of stuff yeah his name is peter mcrobbie and he's been in like Lincoln and yeah, exactly. a bunch of other Spielberg stuff. But he's not like, you know, this isn't some git. This isn't like Brian Cranston where you need to keep him in there. Just f- find somebody else. He's the uh he's the f- the priest or the father in, in Daredevil. Uh, Daredevil. Yeah, yeah, and he's in Stella, uh the um Michael Ian Black and David Wayne and Michael Showalter series. Beautiful. Uh anyway. Yeah. I don't no. love him. But and that I mean the the scene in terms of the context of the scene that they're talking, like it, <laughs> this is, these are your two f- least favorite people in the show talking <laughs> in one scene. It's, it's kind of like, all right. Well. The thing is, I really root for Roosevelt. I'm still waiting. I'm still yeah. waiting for him to turn it on. Yep. And he kind of gets there in this episode a little bit. But even then, the way he just sits there blinking all the time, I'm like, I feel like the the what is being said in this scene, the unspoken words that the mayor is saying, like, I feel like they're just soaring right over TR's head. And he's just thinking about like his next safari. Like he's very, just kind of like, <laughs> okay, whatever you say. And then he just rides. Up. He just kind of, it's just such a bland performance. It bums me out. Yeah. But I'm still, I'm still rooting for him. I'm hanging in there. Uh, but I get what he's saying. He's basically saying, let the, let the rich people govern themselves. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't touch the rich people. Let the family handle it. That kind of thing. Yep. Uh, and then Roosevelt and Captain Connor. Him him relying on Captain Connor so much this episode is kind of like, I think it's interesting just from the standpoint of like, he must know that Connor's not being forthright with him by any stretch of the imagination. 
And you can tell by some of the language that he uses, especially regarding the Willem address later. It's kind of like a... He still expects Connor to want to do the right thing. To be a professional. Yeah. Yep. But, That's what I was going to say. But he doesn't I think realize he, I think that. In, in his mind, you, you took you took an oath, essentially. You swore into this position. You are You're there to protect and serve. Exactly. And you need to do your duty. Yeah. He's, I think he's used to... De- and this is where maybe TR's military background should have been talked about a little bit more. But he's, he's expecting people to do their duty. Yeah. And he doesn't... He still... Even though he knows... Of this corruption, he's still expecting someone in the face of something like this to do the right thing and, yep. and do their job when given an order. And the idea that he's corrupt and essentially his boss is someone else, he has to choose between his who is his true boss. You yeah. know? Is it Ted Levine or is it TR? <laughs> I can't remember. Ted, Doyle? Tom Burns. Burns. Tom, Damn it. Tom I keep Burns. saying Doyle. <laughs> Doyle is the other cop that pops in once in a while. Yeah. Anyway, Connor, so I made this connection. Connor is played by an actor named David Wilmot, mm-hmm. who is one of the stars of the movie Intermission from 2004, maybe, hmm. which is an awesome movie. Never seen it. Which features early Killian Murphy and Colin Farrell and David Wilmot and Kelly McDonald, star of uh, Boardwalk Empire, and uh, the girl who played Moaning Myrtle in Harry Potter, uh, Shelley. Anyway all relatively big actors from Ireland in general who went on to like do things and David Wilmot didn't really do much. But anyway, I didn't, I didn't recognize him cause he's like an old guy in this or like an older middle-aged man in this. And he's like roughly my age probably yeah. in, in intermission. Even and looking looks, at him on IMDb, like his IMDb shot, he looks very baby faced. So different. Yeah. yeah. And I didn't know that was him. And he's so good in that movie. It's a great movie. You would love it. And it's kind of like Irish. I don't want to say Pulp Fiction, but it's got a lot of crisscrossing stories, and a lot of them come together in really cool ways. And uh, anyway, it's a good flick. If anyone's ever seen it, write in. If you haven't, check it out. I rented it from Family Video when it was an R3, ah, actually. All so right, back in the day. I'm dating myself. Uh, good to know. Any more than I already have. But anyway, David Wilmot is great in that, and he's so good in this. I really... Is. Connor is such a throwaway character in the book, and they the way they... They even show... Oh, it's from 2003, Intermission. Um, oh, Cole Meany is in it. How did I forget Cole Meany? <laughs> How on earth could I forget Cole Meany? Uh, anyway, I really love that they chose him and the way what they're doing with him and really expanding him. And in some weird ways, and this is total... I want to give a lot of credit to David Wilmot, but he's kind of sympathetic in a weird way. Like I feel, I take pity on him sometimes, even though he's, cause he's not like an evil dude. He's just kind of a dope. Yeah. Who's, uh, who's being manipulated and used. And he's, he, you look at him and you get the sense that he was once a good cop or once wanted to be good. And now he's just like, just on the take. Yeah. And I, so much of that comes through in just his face and just that ruddy face. And, and the way he looks around at people and that it, mustache, it, that it's he's such a, yeah, behind. exactly. It's such a good performance. Yeah. I, I think he deserves a lot of credit. He's one of the best people in the show. For sure. I always get, he's like some of the side characters in Deadwood where you just get excited when they show up because you're like, something cool is going to happen. Uh, anything about the Isaacsons and Sarah talking about sex acts between a man and a boy? It's kind of a, kind of a, it's kind of a funny question. You yeah. wonder what prompts it. And then they just, Marcus, just so matter of fact. Yeah. 
They're just so scientific about they're, everything. Yeah, they're, they're, like, they're clinical description. Exactly. exactly. Just, it's so great. Yeah. It's just the way they are in the book. It's so fun. Yeah. They're they're great too. I really I really like them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they get guns, and Sarah has to investigate <laughs> things. Even the way they take the guns is funny. What do they say? A cult double action. Great choice. Thank you, Sarah. And then they just leave. <laughs> yeah. Like, we're gonna go shoot some shit. Yeah. They they remind me of like the uh I don't know. They're just they're the two that are like, oh, we are policemen. You <laughs> they're know? like the Thermians from Galaxy Quest. <laughs> yes, exactly. But uh yeah. Uh on to the next act. Sarah finds Laszlo eating uh at Delmonico's once again. Which uh yes. was confirmed to me by IMDB credits because there's a Delmon- Delmonico's waiter there. Uh, to let him know that Roosevelt has asked her to find a wealthy suspect that has committed lewd acts with children in the past, and she found complaints with leads. One with the suspect's name redacted, likely by Chief Burns, and another one connected to the head of the Episcopal Church. She and Laszlo go back and forth about her father's upbringing of her and her taste in uh, whiskey, which Laszlo notably doesn't share. She also calls Laszlo out on being similar to Roosevelt and that they both could disagree with most people on most things, which is a beautiful line. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Isaacsons have dinner with their mother and Marcus's love interest. We find out that they were named after characters in Shakespeare's Julius Caesar since their parents were reading it to learn English and they didn't want their children to experience as much anti-Jewish sentiment. Uh, yeah, the Delmonico scene quite good it was very good quite good it was it was as good as a delmonico steak yeah and uh lazo saying i find commissioner roosevelt capable of disagreeing with most people on most things and then she says you're a similar temperament then and then he's just like well i can't disagree with you because then i would (laughs) it was just it It was was very it was really good they have such good scenes together yeah they work really well together i loved the the wine and the whiskey her ordering the whiskey and one for him. Yep. And what does she say? Something about not suitable for his. She she no one's aligned on him. She something he says about the wine. She flips it over onto him regarding the whiskey. I'm not sure if I caught that one or not. Um, oh, she does the Christopher Nolan thing where he says a line to her, but then she flips it back over on him mm-hmm. regarding the whiskey because he says something about the wine. Maybe it's not to your liking or something like that. And then they sip the whiskey together and she basically says it back to him. And he kind of has this look in his eye of just like, man, this girl's my, she's, <laughs> she's my match. Well, and even that, just the, after she leaves and he takes another sip of it and is like, and he, he coughs it up a bit because that whiskey baron just hits his throat. Uh, it was just, He's it was used to just drinking wine, I guess. Yep. Not whiskey, not a, not a frontier drink. Nope. Yeah. That um, was a great scene. This is what's frustrating when some of the dialogue in some scenes is so uneven and so clunky because you can have such like well well crafted and and finely woven scenes like this yeah. where the dialogue is so compelling and and there's not a wasted line or a wasted breath and then you get scenes like the one at the beginning of the episode where she and John just it's just not working it's mm-hmm. it's so frustrating and the show just like totally nails a scene and you're just like woo when they get to the next one you're like hey <laughs> Yeah, I guess, okay, so this episode was written by E. Max Fry, and then this one was written by, or the previous one was Gina Gianfredo, like, it's got to be one of those things where it's just like, they apparently have a writer room, it's not like it was all Carrie Fukunaga sitting down writing it, like, it's just 
got to be hard to like even match tones and make everything pull off perfectly. Like, it doesn't have the level of quality control that like Preacher does. Yes. Where all the writers are writing, but the the people steering the ship are making sure that it fits. Well, and that's the thing. Like that Preacher's born out of the Breaking Bad mentality from Sam Catlin where you've got Vince Gilligan sitting in a room with all the writers. They sit there but break it all at once. Mm -hmm. There's essentially character Bibles about everybody. Like how much of that is going to exist for a show that is built to last one season? That's true. It's probably got to be kind of hard. But it is disappointing when it doesn't all come together. Yeah. But it's a great scene and I will celebrate that. We uh, we totally ignored Marcus's love interest in the last uh, episode where we discussed things, but uh, didn't we say that after the episode? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's in there. We we mentioned that. We okay, skipped over it. But uh, this time around, they're having dinner with. Well, she has something to do in this episode. Yeah, it's worth. And it was it, it was getting like the the fact that the mother stays silent through the whole thing of like maybe I part of it because was she only speaking in like yiddish in the previous episode do you remember i think she was speaking german or german maybe okay but i could be wrong because part of me was like is she quiet because she doesn't want to say anything she's not approving of the situation at all or is she quiet because she's she doesn't want to be rude and speak german in front of someone who doesn't know german or like what it i wasn't it wasn't completely clear to me it could have been several different things and maybe it was a combination of all of them, but I, I still enjoyed the portrayal. Mm-hmm. I was wondering the same thing. I was like, wait, does she speak English? And I was like, yeah, she does. Because they talk about her learning English and and reading yeah. reading Shakespeare. To, yeah. I just liked the three dynamics in the room with her on the one hand, like very traditional, apparently, mm-hmm. uh, an immigrant, Marcus er, and Lucius, who... I assume they were born in the States. Yeah, I think so. And they're very American, but they also have very strong ties to their to their roots and, and they take care of their mom. They live with her. And then you've got this girl who's just got like the total New York accent and yeah. it's just like almost obnoxious. She's like, oh, that, that's a beautiful story. She's like, <laughs> it's like a little over the top. Yeah. And all three parties are so different and mm-hmm. it's, it's really... Uh, is, I liked it a lot, actually. I, thought, yeah. I was like, okay, now there's a point to this yeah. to this girl being in the show. Like she And, and I liked how earnest she is and she really like likes this family and like wants to be around Mm -hmm. and uh the mom's just not having it she's seeking the approval of the mother right wants nothing to do with this girl which you know but yeah no good to have something to actually talk about with her Mm -hmm. for once uh act four laszlo pays a visit to the bishop of the episcopal church to learn about a more uh about a congregant who has some trouble with the police after having his memory refreshed by a report provided by La- to Laszlo by Sarah, the bishop lets the name Van Bergen slip, mentioning the congregant's mother had him sent away to Switzerland for a quote-unquote rest cure. The bishop and Laszlo share words about each other's profession when Laszlo goes to leave and finds a calendar with important dates highlighted in red, including February 19th. He asks what, what that day was, and the bishop shares that it was Ash Wednesday. Laszlo then goes to observe the congregation of a poor church as they leave, recalling the killer's words from his from his letter as he watched. So Laszlo at the Episcopal Church, mm-hmm. uh, the bishop character, they get to play Red Rover. Oh, <laughs> Something about that visually just freaked me out. Yeah. 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 The idea that 
they have this report that he takes to the bishop and and he accidentally lets van bergen slip as a name seems implausible to me but then again it's one of those things where it's like they got to have something to drive the story forward a little bit yeah but um the barbs they trade about being because the 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 bishop asks how would god distinguish an alienist from how would God distinguish an alienist somehow differently from like an alchemist or someone of other questionable sciences, essentially? And uh, I just thought, it, I always love whenever Laszlo shits on religion, <laughs> organized religion in some kind of form. But uh, yeah, any thoughts on the... on the? I liked the latter part of the conversation a lot more. Once they get into the church, I thought it really like started getting to like a really cool place yeah the stuff outside it's just very like police procedural show e mm-hmm. or like this is my name this is your name here's the thing i want do you have it <laughs> and it just was kind of i don't know the show i think doesn't do well with just walking and talking mm-hmm. the the plot exposition is not as good as some of the character exposition right is. yeah exactly yeah. so but the the once they get inside the church and they are kind of like you said, throwing these barbs at each other. I, I started to really enjoy it. I was yeah. like, oh, "This is pretty cool." Yeah. Also, in Act Four, we get Teddy stopping by Laszlo's to learn that the quote-unquote suspect the police have hovered around is Willem Van Bergen. Teddy understands why the mayor wants him to look the other way. Learning this information, given the Van Bergen st- status in society, and Laszlo encourages the same, since he doesn't believe Willem fits the bill for the killer. The killer is likely a much lower of a much lower upbringing commenting about quote unquote dirty immigrants in the letter. Very unlike the Bishop's golden haired choir boys at the Episcopal church. But Teddy thinks now is the time for action. So he pulls captain Connor into his office and insists that Connor get an address and information on the whereabouts of Willem Van Bergen, Van Bergen discreetly. Uh, yeah, this is certainly the more interesting part of the, of the, uh, act, the idea that Laszlo, thinks willem is a bit of a red hair red herring here yeah i think he thinks that willem is a problem that he's probably done some some dirty deeds but he is not this particular killer he's not this murderer he doesn't really give a lot of support to his argument though other than what you just said where he talks about him being from a different like social structure different uh social um that's the word i'm looking for just a different class altogether Well, and I think some of it is the, (laughs) I think part of it could be just like the, it might be Laszlo being like, my thoughts on this will be lost on Teddy, so I'm not going to bother explaining myself. That's true. Or Teddy's too headstrong and he's not going to listen to me anyway. He's going to do what he wants. He does seem to kind of get some kicks from withholding it, withholding any explanation from him. Just like you're, you asked me to give you a name and I did, but I don't think it's it's not him. him. Yeah. 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 But it. Uh, I think some of it is just the fact, like, I think that is truly what Laszlo's thinking about, though. He's not thinking about much more along the lines of anything else other than, like, Willem's affluent, he's not going to be going after these quote-unquote dirty immigrants. Like, that's not, that's not what he's going to do. Like, I, and I, and it, it, it's, it, it's once again, Laszlo getting back to the cut and dry, I must be right about this. Mm-hmm. Which I also think is a 
a little bit of an Achilles heel. Yeah, I'm not sure why he thinks just because somebody goes after immigrants that means that disqualifies them from a wealthy family. Yeah. Like would 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 a deranged wealthy person not have some sort of cause to go after immigrants as well? I think his idea is that probably especially in 1896 the wealthy people of that time are not going to be typically associating with people of that lower class like they probably don't even see them they're just not affected by them yeah whereas other low class americans might be losing jobs and that sort of thing to immigrants or like their their neighborhoods are getting flooded with more immigrants yeah yeah Yeah, fair enough um yeah no and teddy specifically asking connor to work on this discreetly I think is also important. But Teddy's can. saying it's time to take action was like, that's such a Roosevelt line and it was not delivered yeah, with yeah. any Roosevelt gusto. He just, it's time to take action. Yeah. Oh, okay. You go do that. Yeah. <laughs> he could have pulled out a big stick from behind himself. Yes. And, and proceeded to just destroy the set with it. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, anything, even just storming off in anger yelling back at Leslo would have been more in keeping with T.I. Yeah, we still haven't gotten like that plum red Roosevelt face that you hear about in the history books. You got five episodes left to get it right. (laughs) All right, let's go on to Act 5. The show cuts between the police preparing to bust down Willem's door and Willem quote-unquote grooming a victim only to fake out the viewers since Connor gave Roosevelt a bad address to a Miss Effie who has owned her house for 26 years. Willem was, in fact, interrupted by his mother, Mrs. Van Bergen, who goes to kiss her son, but he recoils in anger and yells in anger for her insisting that they go away, but possibly for more. Roosevelt forcefully takes Connor's badge and gun and takes him, uh, leaves him in the rain, as Connor suggests that Teddy will regret that action. And finally, Laszlo explains to John that all of the killings uh, they have found, the unnamed black boy, Aaron Morton, Giorgio Santorelli, and Ali Ibungazi's deaths are all connected to holy days in the Episcopal calendar. And although Giorgio's body was found on March 3rd, the killer mentions observing him on February 19th, which is Ash Wednesday, as we know. And Laszlo insists that this is a pattern and that the next kill will likely happen on May 14th, the Feast of the Ascension, which is only in a couple days. Uh, Did you... Was there any part of you that believed that the police were going to break in on Willem? No, I kind of saw this switcheroo coming. Yeah. I'm trying to think of how many other times I've seen that happen, exactly. but it seems like a very... Yeah. It was very well done. Yeah. It was very well done. Like yep. it, it, it was it was very convincing. Mm-hmm. The actual, the, the approach to the door was so cool. That shot of them going up the staircase was so beautiful. Yep. It was just, it, it's such a gorgeous show. It is. I think we're going to say that every episode. Uh, but the, the buildup was very good. Mm-hmm. But then I figured, I was like, it's not going to be the right place. Yeah. Because... The Bergens live in a mansion all their own, probably. And yeah. I was like, they're not just walking up the main stairwell in the Van Bergen mansion. <laughs> yeah. Plus, we've seen it before mm-hmm. from the inside somewhat. So, I don't know. Anyway, the uh, his reaction to his mom trying to kiss him was pretty creepy. Yes. Yeah. Like, Ooh. like has, has his mother forced herself on him yeah, maybe previously? Some, maybe some weird stuff going on there yeah. that could account for some of his uh, lewd defects. Actions. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I was. He's a he's a very well. creepy character. The performance is very unsettling, and uh, and very effective. 
Yeah. Him, him re- being reduced down to, you know, you see him as this kind of predator when he's out talking to the boys and when he's in control of the situation and when he comes into like the candy shop or the mulch or whatever it is and, you know, is talking to them. He's very much like in command and then in front of his mom, he's like this angry little squealing kid. That's definitely pretty, uh, pretty sad and weird. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is, it's like, I don't know, is Willem supposed to be a teen or do you just think he's just like an older child? I think these? he's in his twenties. Yeah, yeah. Seems like he's in his twenties. He's, he just, he seems like this weird, like boyish strange person yeah still living there uh it seems like he was involved in the church in some capacity but then was sent away overseas for a while to try to get better i I think he's supposed to fit their profile of like you know early to mid mid 20s to early 30s yeah thing um kind of losing his badge probably the best teddy scene that we've had thus far that's what I'm saying. We finally got a little glimpse of that when he just rips that off of his jacket and then asks for his weapon. Yep. And and yeah, and finally, finally we got a little bit of a little bit of the Teddy we've been wanting to see. Mm-hmm. And uh, I liked that a lot. And I liked Connor's just kind of anger at it and just being like, "Oh man, it's a bad idea." Yeah, yeah. You don't know what this is gonna mean for you. But I'm just, I'm just proud of Roosevelt for recognizing that he was he duped. was set up by yeah. Connor. That it was not that Connor received a bad tip because he knows he's capable of figuring it out. Yeah, Con- he, Connor's performance was like, I paid good money for that address. Like, <laughs> no. No, you didn't. Don't think so. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that and, was great. That was great. And, of course, the pattern of the mm-hmm. deaths. Uh, pretty big clue, I would say. The thing that yep. allows them to start predicting uh, the the kills. Which is what they've kind of been driving towards for a while is being able to anticipate him yeah and uh yeah it's very exciting and laszlo found it it was a cool cool moment watching them kind of work together on that and and come to this realization of like even if it's a far-flung theory which i don't think it is in the way it's presented you know it's something yeah it's some hope it's something to grasp onto and say okay we've got a plan yeah, we can we can start working towards some way. We're to not just following the breadcrumbs. Intersect with this killer instead of just trailing behind him completely. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. Well, uh, I think that's about it for this one. Yeah, all in all, it was it was a it was a middling episode. I thought it had a lot of stuff in it that I was kind of like, okay, like that's fine. Yeah. There, there weren't a lot of scenes or sequences that really leapt out at me as like, oh yeah, that's awesome. Like, but when you're when you're coming off of the end of episode four, which is so good, mm-hmm. and in general, that was a really strong episode. This one kind of felt like a little bit of like falling action. Yeah. But I think the next one is going to be pretty sweet. <laughs> <laughs> well, we can play. We can we can talk a little inside baseball. We are recording this the day that we're about to record our next. I actually, well, I actually texted you that before anyway. Yeah, and you knew. Yeah, you you uh, for sure you did know that that yeah. there would be more to talk about with the. the I, I felt pretty episode. sure that there was going to be some pretty big stuff. Yeah. So, and I did. I guess I forgot to mention earlier. I did text you something before this week's episode to say I was wondering after viewing episode five, which we just discussed here, uh, if maybe Willem was being set up by the kids of the brothel. Right. The idea that like... That they were telling the police, a guy with a silver smile, just to try to get him out of there. Yep. 
or 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 maybe like partly maybe to get rid of Willem, maybe somewhat defending the other guy, the actual killer or like something in between just something like it's like why is Willem so clearly fitting this profile and I think it's because they're you know they're of the mind that this is something that he could be doing this is or or, or that the kids want them because we know that he's done things with children in the past mm-hmm. and maybe the kids who have survived things with Willem know that they need to get rid of him or something like that but i think that's an interesting theory i don't know how much how much water it holds or i haven't really put too much more thought into it but yeah. i think uh, i think that would have a lot of coordination on the part of a lot of different kids from a lot of different places but but um, it's kind of it's as uh sally said earlier of like when laszlo asked how do you guys know who's t- who you can trust and who you can't and Sally just kind of says that after a while you learn, and I think it it seems like a very the the boys all seem close. They're playing games together. They walk around during the day, so you know. I want to go back. I'd have to go back and rewatch kind of how they get the tip on him to begin with, because uh, well, they get the silver smile comment from. John gets it from the boy at Paris's New Paris's Hall. Mm-hmm who is enlisted by not Polly but who's the other guy the the dude underneath him oh biff biff yeah that's who's true. enlisted by biff to then so maybe biff doesn't want willem around it's true but anyway a little weird there cuz Polly and and obviously chief burns and everything pa- they're all paul kelly yeah paul paul they're all in on the conspiracy to to get willem protected essentially so mm-hmm. maybe that doesn't all come together but i don't know anyway it was just a thought that i had so unless they're concerned that his lewd actions are going to call attention to the 400 and so they think by getting rid of him uh, yeah i don't know i don't know we don't know anyway just a thought uh once again you can find more episodes of our podcast on the alienist.tv we're also on tv time apple podcast stitcher radio and google play music Email us at feedback at thealienist.tv to tell us what you think of our podcast and share your thoughts on TNT's The Alienist so we can read them on our show. Send us corrections, observations, or anything regarding The Alienist or our podcast. The Midwest Podcast Network has other shows about video games, horror movies, HBO's Westworld, and AMC's Preacher. Find out more about these shows as well as how to support our network at midwestpodcastnetwork.com. Our theme music is the song Division by Kevin McLeod, and it's being used under an attribution, attribution Creative Commons license. That's all for this episode of The Alienist Recap. We can't wait to see what next week's episode of The Alienist brings, but until then, we'll see you at the chalkboard.